Hey, Mr. Democracy, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing, Mr. Freedom? I'm doing great. We're the Uncontainable Canaries, and uh, we're here to give you another episode. We're here to blast some knowledge into your eardrums. Yeah, we're going to try to put some wisdom in your eye holes. Oh. Or I guess your ear holes. Yeah. Whatever. Most people who say they have wisdom, it's not really wisdom. So we're going to put what our little small claim of wisdom is in your ear holes. <laughs> take it away, Mr. Democracy. Oh, you take it away. You're the one with the knowledge. You're just the guy here. You're just here doing stuff. Uh, <laughs> shit, I thought you were supposed to bring the knowledge. I'm supposed to bring the knowledge? Definitely, definitely. Son of a bitch. Okay, hold on just a second. Acquiring knowledge. Acquiring knowledge. Acquiring knowledge. Well, it seems like in a back and forth case of PayPal censoring independent media and the independent media being uncensored and then censored again, PayPal canceled the accounts of Consortium News and Mint Press News and a bunch of other independent journalists. Huh. I don't know if you heard of that. Do these guys not like making No, I haven't heard about that. These, uh, does PayPal not like making money off people now? Or? No, it's the same thing they did. Pay, PayPal is part of the interlocking structure of control that the empire controls people through, like the coercive of media. Of course they do. Just like with WikiLeaks, they canceled WikiLeaks, which actually was a good idea for WikiLeaks because yep. that forced them to move on to Bitcoin early and they made a crap ton of money onto Bitcoin. Yeah, so jokes on PayPal. <laughs> yeah, but so PayPal, they canceled. First they said they seized Consortium News and they seized Mint Press News accounts and they said, sorry, we you violated the terms of service. In, the, in their one cases, they said, you can reactivate your account if you follow the correct guidelines. But then they never gave them the correct guidelines and they had their money seized. Then they yeah. unseized the money. And it's been going back and forth each time per week. If we had it on the episode earlier in the week. It changes back and forth. One day it's, okay, so PayPal's closed their accounts and not giving them the money. Then PayPal gave them the money back and said they could reopen their account. But now the news is PayPal said the last email they were going to allow them to open their accounts that email apparently was wow. a mistake. So now the news is they cannot use PayPal. They got their money back though because they basically PayPal relented because of the pressure from independent media. So there is good news in here. Independent yeah. media works. As long as we fight and push and say, no, you cannot censor people just for telling the truth. They didn't even to this day tell them what the reason was. On the one case, they said, because the person on your account is deceased in Consortium News, but Consortium News is the editor-in-chief was trying to change it to their name, but they couldn't, PayPal wouldn't let them. And then PayPal said, oh yeah, sorry, we can't deal with you or tell you why because the person on the record is deceased. But then with when it comes to Mint Press News, Minar Mahawish is the journalist and she the one on the or they're the one on the account they said oh sorry we can't deal with yeah, you of course so they're, they're just making up stuff at this point paypal is just another corporation fucking bullshit yeah well it doesn't surprise me there like you said look what they did with wikileaks and then a bunch of hackers actually hacked to paypal and started fucking with them so serves them right yeah, what we need to do is build the internet like the way it was supposed to be. They need to have a new internet where it cannot be messed with like that. Pay, pay structures that can't be messed with. So they can't come after independent journalists' way of life like that. Because they didn't even say what these people did. Yeah, exactly. I mean, people make... There's a lot There's a lot of people that make their living off those kinds of things. Yeah, and they're doing the good job. If it wasn't for independent media like Consortium News or Mint Press News, we wouldn't even know a lot of the things because the mainstream journalism is a propaganda App machine. It's not telling the truth at all. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of the mainstream journalism, so even the mainstream journalism is uh, getting on on the fun when it comes to gain of function research. I don't know if you've, you know what gain of function research is. It's essentially where you take you weapon. It's it's bio bio weapons research. Huh. They take diseases and they 
enhance their function. They call it gain of function. And they, on our side, claim it's defensive. And uh, then we claim on their side it's all offensive. But the standard for the difference between offensive biological weapons and defensive biological weapons research is intent. Yeah, which country's doing this, by the way? So you didn't interrupt. Uh, well, a, a whole no, no. Go ahead. There's a whole bunch of countries doing that are p- participating in it. United States is one of them. The U.S. Has, has hundreds of bioweapons labs around the world. Russia, China has them. But this story, if you actually focus on it, is it's really messed up. And I can't even get into the whole complexity of it. But the recent news is that in Nature magazine, scientists are saying they need more guidance on gain of function research because the difference between defensive and offensive gain of function bioweapons research like i said is just intent so if you and i both were to be working on these same projects w- one of you is doing it for offensive purposes and one of and say i'm doing it for defensive the actual study looks the same the actual work in the lab looks the same hmm. it doesn't honestly surprise me that the united states does i mean under project paperclip the united states brought in nazis from the second world war to work on their uh, rockets and they also uh gave amnesty to the japanese uh when they were uh, giving viruses to the Chinese and stuff like that, and the Japanese said, we'll give you all our research, just just don't execute us. Ooh, this is humiliating. Yeah, that's, a, that's an example where in the past they've been doing this, but they've been lying about saying, well, we're just doing it defensively. But if you and I were to both, like I'm saying, working on it, you build a gun and I build a gun. The gun looks the exact same. You build a bullet, I build a bullet. The bullet looks the exact same. Just you say, well, I'm never going to fire it. I'm only building it to know what your gun works like. It's yeah. not like you're building a shield or a Kevlar vest. We're both building guns. Yours is defensive because you claim it's defensive. Mine is offensive because, you know, the, the powers that be that control these things, they say yours is offensive. But they tried to standardize this. And back in the Bush era, the Bush Jr., mm-hmm. George W. Bush, yeah. there was this whole lead up to standardize bio le- bioweapons research. They put a kibosh on it right at the end because they said it is indistinguishable. This sort of this this sort of broad ban on uh, on gain of function research we would basically look bad because we're doing what looks like offensive, but it's not offensive. So you would be wrong. But their their excuse for never building any sort of comprehensive global international bioweapons prohibition <laughs> was because they said, well, you can't even tell the difference anyway. Oh, well, then I feel much better, don't you? Yeah. If you are defensive and make a, like, you know, just put on Kevlar vests, ballistic shields. Like, you know, like you said, like, if you have, if both of us have AK-47s and, you know, that's not a defensive thing. Those things are offensive. They're meant to kill. <laughs> no, no, no. Especially when they're using, in those labs, they're re- putting those labs in their supposed enemy countries. Like the Wuhan virus, virology lab in China, that was funded by the National Institute of Health in the United States. Through their groups, through the, basically the NIH, the National Institute of Health, they were funding gain-of-function research for coronavirus... Peter Daszak, the EcoHealth Alliance, in China, funded by the U.S. Huh. This is like planting a smoking gun on your enemy. And I'm not saying it looks like what it would look like. I'm just saying they have 36 of these labs or 30 some odd of these labs in Ukraine where they're doing gain of function research. And they say, well, they're not. But here the scientists are saying in the Nature article that just came out, gain of function studies need stricter guidance, say U.S. researchers. 
after a delay, which is again caused by them, like caused by the, the weapon state saying, oh, well, we can't do this. Scientists are saying we really need to have some sort of control on this. We need some sort of an international guideline. And funny enough, you know, Holtz was saying this, but of course, Nature mm. Magazine doesn't doesn't comment on this. But the Chinese yeah. and the Russians were also saying we need an international guideline. Because, yeah, because the this. pandemic and then on top of that, there, of course, our mainstream media is going to be like, well, you know, the Russians and Chinese are trying to be more progressive and saying that, yeah, we don't need this right now. And it's going to affect us badly in the future because they always have to the enemy it was just to be east versus west exactly if i were to tell a story imagine a time during the cold war when both enemies are working on these things saying it's because of defense but it's really scary because places like fort dietrich exist where they're working on god knows what there's a whole bunch of just scary stuff happening the Cold War starts to wind down. The U.S. can go around gobbling up all of these former Soviet bioweapons research, and they say they're doing it to protect them. And there's all this information about when they're going around, how funny it is. There's anecdotes where Obama and somebody that trained Obama saw this lab, and it was really just a freezer with a padlock on it that had bubonic plague in it in the former Soviet republics. And they were just like, oh yeah, no big deal. It's just old hat to these people. But the, then that, the Cold War's over. Oh, well, we're just doing the right thing. We're the good guys. But it's like anyone who believes that, I don't really, I'm sorry, this podcast may not be for you if you think that we're just the good guys doing everything because we're good and everything they do is bad. Every, everyone thinks they're right in a war. Yeah. The, so the next, there, the next step in this, the Cold War's sort of over. Then in 2011, there was a debate about this whole gain of function research. And I was following it at the time and it scared me because there was a Harvard Medical Journal where they called this new gain of this new thing where they combine avian flu with ferret to they took something that was very deadly to humans, but but and then they took something that could spread a lot, but wasn't deadly. And then they combined them in a lab and the debate at the time was largely around not whether they should do this, but whether they should be able to release the step-by-step instructions on how they did it. Wow. How they made something that the Harvard Medical Journal called the potential billion killer. And it was all centered around a lab in China. But even this Nature magazine, this Nature article does does admit that there was it was basically done in two labs. But if you followed it very closely, first it was a Dutch lab that released they'd done it. Wow. Then it was a Chinese lab that was like released that admitted they did it too. But it was like all the blame got shifted and focused on the Chinese lab. And this is all the way back in 2011. And they're trying to say this new disease could be so bad. And it's like they were trying to plant the exact narrative to blame China then for this future that we're living in now. And the, this future could be avoided if we had a comprehensive bioweapons prohibition that had teeth, meaning countries that violated it actually got in trouble, and each of those countries could look at each other's labs to confirm they're not doing bad stuff. That's the only way around it. They need like equivalent of the Open Skies Treaty where the Russians and the US were literally in each other's spy planes, flying each other, helping each other spy on their own countries. This was in the later stage of the Cold War to de-escalate it. That was called the Open Skies Treaty. It was how better to make sure you're both not, you know, lying to each other? We're, well, hey, where do you want to look? Okay, we're going to fly over to this place today. The Russian's like, okay, let's go. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very true. It's very true because when I was watching Vice News and they went to Chernobyl, there'd be uh, classes that were obviously, they were hit by the disaster. And they would actually have pictures on the wall of like what to do in a nuclear disaster. Like hide under your desk, um, if how to spot enemy planes, how to throw a grenade, how to shoot a gun. It, it was It's all propaganda. And it's, you know, it's pretty interesting because I, I remember... I was in Toronto a couple of years back because I was going to a concert. There was a guy from Russia. He lived there during the USSR. And him and I started getting into a conversation. 
And I said, you know, is it true what they were telling you guys there that, you know, like, he goes, oh, yeah, everything that they were telling us there, it was a complete total bullshit. They told us the West was going to invade the East. Like, they were going to, the West wanted to invade the USSR. I was like, oh, that's pretty interesting because here they were telling us that the East wanted to invade the West. Well, yeah, that was probably, <laughs> it was probably true that both sides had intentions to maybe get along at the beginning, but then the bad sides in each side took over and pushed it towards more authoritarianism. Who knows? Like, that's... I don't say I don't think that it's all oh Soviet propaganda that the U.S. was all the belligerent in there. They they did shit that was wrong too at times. But I do think it's true that FDR and Stalin had a working relationship and had instead of Truman taken over, had Henry Wallace become president instead of Truman, we would have lived in a totally different world because Henry Wallace intended to get along with the Soviet Union and put aside the differences. Yeah, yeah, and it's actually pretty interesting you said that because they, didn't they call FDR a socialist too when he said that he wanted to increase the minimum wage, he wanted better work conditions for the workers? Actually, here's a funny story. Um, back uh, during the, I don't know if it was during the Second World War or, or just before or after, um, in Michigan, a bunch of workers had a strike because they were sick and tired of GM screwing them over constantly, right? So what did the GM uh, big hats do? They sent a bunch of hard hats and they sent a bunch of cops to go out there and beat the shit out of their employees. Well, FDR called the national yeah, FDR called the national uh, the national guard, but the guards weren't uh, the guns weren't pointed at the people. They were pointed at the hired goons and the in the like uh, the the GM owners telling them to leave these people alone because um, he said that I believe in the working man and you guys are just a bunch of punks that are trying to exploit them. Yeah, he stopped the goons. Yeah, I mean, the Truman Doctrine about what he did in Greece. Son of a bitch, him and fucking Winston Churchill started a goddamn civil war in that country that lasted three years and led hundreds of thousands upon thousands of people dead. But the, the main thing is they put a moratorium on the research because in 2011, everybody was like debating like, oh my God, this is messed up. And then eventually they lifted the moratorium on gain-of-function research in 2011. And that's when the NIH, National Institute of Health, was it? And the, was able to go around and basically fund all of these things, including coronavirus research. And all they're trying to do is blame, blame, blame the enemy. But here we have, the, like, it's evidence they're doing gain-of-function research, and the scientists are even concerned. It's in Nature. Nature is one of the top scientific peer-reviewed journals. You know, they're admitting it. Some of the stuff they're saying, it's like there's draft legislation that would place another moratorium on gain-of-function research. And it's alarmed some researchers, including those who attended the 27th of April listening session. It's like, because they're trying to say, hey, we, we want to we reform, but we can't stop gain-of-function research because it's actually good. Because it'll stop, it'll help us study viruses. And I'm sure there is some things they do yeah. that are useful with gain-of-function research. But the fact that it's in this black box that's classified and funded and connected to the weaponized state, the Pentagon, we, 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 can't, we can't buy that. We can't buy that it's for the safety of health. And you want to wonder why the, the, our enemies get paranoid. Well, maybe because we have these base, these in their country. If we had China funding some weird fucking yeah. f pig flu virus in, in like Kentucky and it escaped, God, could you imagine the fucking shit that would fly? But then when the Chinese suggest that, oh, maybe America had something to do with this, you know, you guys are trying to blame us for coronavirus. Well, if there's blame to be spread around, I mean, hey, you know, they did fund this shit in China and made us do it as a condition to get involved in the World Trade Organization. Like, again, it's just another history that we need to teach people that the United States, like I said earlier, took the Japanese that did terrible war crimes back in those days. Like the generals literally spread viruses and disease all across China in their experiments. And when the Japanese finally surrendered in the Second World War, they, they basically cut a deal with the United States top generals and stuff and saying like, hey, man, you guys give us pardons. We'll give you all our data research. And of course, the United States wanted it because now they were just entering the Cold War with the USSR. 
And they said, well, any weapon against the Russians would help us out greatly. And just like, the, and I'm not saying that the Russians were any better. I mean, they took the Nazis in too on their side as well. And America's side was, we have to do this because Russia bad. But really, was it that? Yeah. Like the Nazis were in their ear. They were getting intelligence from the not former Nazis like Reinhard Galen, who was basically the newly created Western Germany intelligence network, and the people in back in Washington who had tried to push out any sort of a detente with Russia yeah. right from the beginning. The people who'd never forgiven Russia for its revolution. FDR. <laughs> people like yeah. <laughs> John Foster and Alan Dulles. No, saying no. FDR was fighting against those forces. FDR was trying to make a more. Oh no, no FDR. Sorry. Um. Uh. No. What's his name? The FDR John Fo guy, Alan um... Foster Dulles and John, Fo the brother of the Dulles brothers, and the John Birch yeah. Society. J. Edgar, J. No. J. J. Edgar Hoover. He too did not like the Soviets. Yeah, J. Edgar Hoover was totally related and connected with the with the um John Birch Society. They were all. Yeah. They were, Jag Hoover did not like them, man. Yeah, well, that's. Whew. Let's put a. We should do a whole episode just on this topic because it's so interesting. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? I think it would be a good topic our listeners would Yeah, definitely. Hear. No, definitely. What do you all think? <laughs> what do you all think? Let's move on. I'm going to move on to another topic. It's a. Uh, we're going to just call this topic, it's a reoccurring segment, we're just going to call it Wars, Lies, and God knows what else, because it'll just keep coming up. It's not. We're not going to name this segment, but it's it's just about the same shit all the time, because it's all, you know, I can't cannot stop thinking about it, because it's lies constantly, and the one way to correct a lie is to tell, inject a little bit of your own truth into it. Definitely, yeah. Truth will always prevail, man. Che Guevara said, there should, he says there's th three things that a human being should live by, uh, justice, uh, humanity, and truth. Yeah, and to quote another great figure in the world right today, and I don't know if he's, I don't want to compare greatness, probably not as great because he represents much different forces, but the new Pope, not a terrible Pope, Pope Francis, you know, he's known as being the more progressive Pope. He said that NATO barking at Russia's door may have led to Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. <laughs> he actually said that? And offered... Yes, and offered to meet the Russian president. So just wow. like you said, truth does prevail. Yeah. Even amongst all the propaganda and lies, he said, even though he's he's reflecting on Russia's lethal aggression towards his neighbor, he's not just saying, oh yeah, yeah, kill people. He's saying it's bad. And he's saying he might not go far as saying NATO's presence, they provoked it. He said it perhaps, quote, facilitated it. He's trying to be diplomatic. But if the Pope, the leader of a billion Catholics, can come out and say, you guys building up your military empire right into the border of Russia might have something to do with it. I use the metaphor, if somebody was sharpening a knife and a really big weapon on, on the doorstep of my neighbor constantly and looking at him menacingly and more and more people were showing up with yeah. weapons and then eventually my neighbor came out to fight. I might not be okay with the violence, but I certainly wouldn't just say, oh my God, look at my insane neighbor who just kills people for no reason. I would say, well, my other neighbor was sharpening the knife on his doorstep for years. Yeah. You know? How do you know he wasn't going to act? Just lose his shit and then just go out there and start cutting people. Yeah, the Pope, he condemned the brutality of the war. So yeah, they did react and go out and start cutting people. That's what happens. People get to get fucking cut. And and the thing is that, like, yeah, Russia is, you know, being the aggressor as well. And nobody's denying that. It's just that 
this has just been building up for the past eight years. And if you want to go even further, it's been building past the 21 years. I mean, Vladimir Putin even said that why did NATO get justification to go and attack Muammar Gaddafi? Muammar Gaddafi didn't do anything wrong, ladies and gentlemen. First of all, he gave up all his nukes. He gave up all his yellow cake. He gave up a lot of money and gold and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, what happened? They attacked Muammar Gaddafi in Libya, killed him, and now there's open market slavery in that goddamn country. And he got sodomized on live drone TV. And what did Hillary Clinton say about it? We came... We saw he died. <laughs> yeah. End quote. They got they got killed. They got he got killed by a gold gun, a browning a browning high power gold that plated gun. And you know how many times I saw his body in that news in that in that news podcast hundreds of times. Yeah, hundreds. it's brutal. It's fucking brutal. But like yeah. for Pope Francis, he's he's not even he says he won't even meet with Vladimir with uh Zelensky. He says he wants to meet with Putin first. He says first I have to go to Mo- Moscow. First I have to meet Putin. And that's people who say, well, of course Putin is the enemy. Why would you even talk to him? Well, the Pope's not an idiot. He knows that there's more than one side of the story. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not a Catholic. I don't. What the Pope says to me is not infallible. But when the guys ring in truth, you have to stand up and say, "Here's some truth," and that was some truth. Yeah, definitely. He's also there's also issues with the Ukrainian Church, or with the Orthodox Ukrainian Church and with the Russian Ukrainian Church, and there's sort of a split in the Ukrainian or in the Orthodox churches right now, and the. Russian Orthodox Church leader Kirill, I don't know, has he's the patrician, he's the patriarch. He supports Putin, and Putin, in his own mind, is a very faithful person who is doing this in his own mind to defend his nation, which he loves. When you say God is on one side or the other side, if you think that one side has all the claims to their own religiousness, no. Some people think they're doing the right thing. You might disagree, and it might be the wrong thing. But just like when you invade Iraq and thought it was fine because you're doing the right thing, maybe. There's people who think that. Yeah, especially when they say that he's lost his mind and stuff like that. It's like, how do you know he's lost his mind? You don't know shit. Maybe our leaders are the ones who lost their minds. <laughs> you know, like we, we've been we've been going we've been going in a bunch of wars. Like the United States and its allies have yeah. literally lost ninety five percent of the wars in the twentieth and twenty first century. Like, are you kidding me with this right now? Like, and Putin's not a fucking idiot. He's not just going to step back and be like, well, you know, golly gee, guys, we're just going to let a bunch of Nazis come rear their ugly heads around Ukraine. No, <laughs> he's not going to do that. And maybe he is listening to his generals. Maybe he is listening to his top officials and saying, like, we need to act because if we don't, we're going to look weak and these guys are going to try and fuck us. Yeah, they've been pushing and pushing and pushing. And after Afghanistan fell, I think Russia said, maybe this is an opportunity to dominate in our own area, what's America going to do? They just did this. They're going to, and what, and basically if they did call that, if they did say, well, they're not going to do shit. They were right. Not a single American troop is engaging. Yeah. And especially since I got, I've, I've talked, I've talked to a couple of my friends, not to mention saying like Vladimir Putin wants a split between Russia and Ukraine. Like he wants to own part of Ukraine. He goes, do you think that's the right thing? I said, well, you know, that's pretty interesting. You brought that up because I mean, the Turkish war against the Greek war. And basically what happened was there's a split between Cyprus now. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Do we have a sale for you? Come be one of the suckers, okay. I mean lucky ones, who can least own a whole fleet of these ripped, hard, deadly, overpriced F-35s. With capability rates of barely over 55%, and a whopping 30% of the aircraft not failing at performing its missions. Can't fight in the rain, can't win dogfights, who doesn't want to buy these? Be on the hook for massive cost overruns and technical glitches, meaning minimum 80% of the cost of the program comes after the sticker price. After the sticker price, you say, wow! Does $1.3 trillion sound like too much to have the comfort of knowing your family is barely more protected having these in our arsenal? No? 
Well, you're the taxpayer and you don't have a choice. So eat shit, asshole. 845 problems and counting, according to recent testing reports. Comes with some of these glaring recommendations. U.S. Congressman F-35 Contractors. What in the hell are you doing? General Fick. Have a new material leader working on this. He's got a very, very solid plan in place. And if it fails, will he just get another promotion? Our thoughts are yes! Don't be like the Chinese and spend $1 trillion on Belt and Road Infrastructure Diplomacy Coalition and Influence Building. Here at Lockheed Martin, Enjun Maker Pratt & Whitney, and all the contracting partners, we are more than happy and capable to take that money for more patriotic purposes. We have a patented, innovative technique where we put the money in a deep dark hole and through the wonders of corporate accounting it appears in our stockholders balance sheets and executive bonus packages, leaving you with the bill and our foot directly up your asses with a lot of problematic jets you're on the hook for financially and legally. From all of us here at Lockheed Martin, Pratt & Whitney and contractors to you, go fuck yourself. All maintenance and future R&D required to fix problems built in the design of the F-35 jet is contractually obligated to be purchased indefinitely from us. Because we care. Uh, there's another really interesting development. Can I, can I tickle your ear? You know sure. how Canada's over there helping. Helping, quote-unquote. We've also mm -hmm. been, yeah, we've also been yeah, sending the international brigades, and there's about 600 people who have been doing it legitimately. But then there's other other people who, not so legitimate, and I've just covered, or not I've uncovered, I've read an article. Apparently there is this Norman brigade, and it's run by this guy who goes by friggin' Carol, or, oh, Hurlf. His name's Hurlf. That's his not fake name. And and the article, the one article in National Post, they basically make him seem like he's just defending his family, fighting the evil Russians. But the name of the article is called Incompetence or the Realities of War. <laughs> Turmoil for Canadian-led foreign battalion in Ukraine. Now, if there was ever an article that was, that was the headline was written by the editor and not yeah. the writer of the <laughs> article, it was this one. The whole article is not, it's, it's really a lot more deep than that. There's a Norman brigade that's badly run, under-equipped, and it's run by this Canadian sniper guy who calls himself Hurlf, and it's barely connected with the Ukrainian forces. There's so many things about this. It's a private army run from volunteers, and apparently 30-some-odd percent of the people even had guns. But it's okay, he says, because people are used to Western standards, and when they come over here, they're, priv they're, they're entitled and blah, blah, blah. But the guy has a fucking black sun tattoo on his hand. He's a goddamn oh, God. fucking neo-Nazi. He's a neo-Nazi. Neo yeah. And the National Post article barely even addresses that. They have one one line where it says, well, yeah, but he says it's, you, it's, it's a Scandinavian rune tattoo. So, and then there was another guy working with him who fucking spat on the ground right in front of him who's like, this is everything our fucking grandfather's father. Yeah, and that's the thing too. It's, it's the same thing. It's the same thing in Greek neo-Nazis. They used to carry the sun tattoos on, on their shoulders and stuff like that amongst other parts. Uh, neo-nazi uh propaganda like uh, symbols and whatnot and it's like dude like these guys they, yeah they're nazis they're neo-nazis when you have the sun wheel on your hand like what's next a fucking swastika on your shoulder like come on like if two and two make four then obviously you could see what the hell's going on here yeah and half the national post article is like defending this guy it's like well Peep, this people who def attack him, Paul says the Norman Brigade lasts the kind of formal links the Ukrainian armed forces that Eklund recommends foreigners seek out. 
in the next paragraph is the response by this Nazi. Hurlf responds that the brigade is in fact embedded with a battalion of the volunteer Ukrainian army, works with the country's territorial defense force, and is well known to the defense ministry. Neither the ministry nor the defense attaché responded to requests for comment on the brigade. This guy's shown up at his own battalions and intimidated the people because they're complaining about not being armed enough. He sent the unarmed people to just dig trenches out. And then there's an allegation that he's just doing it because he has a Ukrainian wife who lives in the area and he's trying to basically be a fucking Rambo hero. And he is a sniper from the Canadian forces. So he's got, you know, he's armed and shit. He himself armed to the titty, showed up with grenade (laughs) launchers. Full, full regalia, battle armor and everything, but he shows up to his, to the people he's been calling with his big presence on Facebook and Twitter to call the people over, oh, be a hero, stand up against evil Putin. And then he's got these people lined up to basically fucking die. And why, why do they allow people like this? Because it's convenient if a bunch of uh, people from Canada or UK or New Zealand die, because that's a propaganda win. Yeah, lambs, lambs to yeah. the slaughter, because, yeah, because it's lambs to the slaughter, because when people see that on the news, they're like, oh my god, that could be my son or daughter getting killed out there, and then they're like, oh, well, it looks like we won that battle. <laughs> but they, they don't know, they, 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 yeah, they don't know the truth that those people didn't have the right equipment, didn't have the right bullet, they didn't have any bulletproof vests or uh, Kevlar helmets or AKs or M16s that were led by a far right neo-Nazi When asshole. they first showed up, they were slept, sleeping on the floor and given two meals a day. Quote from the National Part of, for this is from the article in National Post. And the National Post is a very pro-corporate, pro-reactionary, you know, anti-Russian paper. And this is admitting shit that you won't see later if these people start dying. It said, well, there was a couple, there was a couple foreigners who died. It's like, it says, quote, they had to sleep on the floor and were given two meals a day, often just a thin soup by Ukrainians who had no idea why they were there. End wow. quote. Eventually they got moved to a school or some shit. He's like, there was 30 soldiers, just seven or eight AK-47s, 30 to 60 bullets per person. Oh, that's nice. The quote from the person who was from BC, quote, that is just insanity. Actual suicide when you're talking about the the Russian military, end quote. Yeah, no fucking (laughs) shit, buddy. You think that you just showed up there and realized that? Maybe you should have done a little bit more clicking yeah. around on the fucking old internet tube to learn a little more. Be sure you go up to actually I kill people. I should actually found out that, hey, maybe I should go and talk to somebody before I go and join these stupid ranks. Or, you know, the majority of what I call these guys computer nerds. They're a bunch of Call of Duty nerds that go around playing Call of Duty. And they're like, oh, yeah, I can get shot totally. like 10 times and still live. I hate to break this to you, dude. AK-47s hurt. So, you know... <laughs> And the majority of these guys, I bet, are fucking rookies. I bet they don't even, like, they barely fired guns. They just, they, they just, yeah, they just Most basically play Call of Duty and think that they can shoot, like, the professionals. It, take, it, it takes over 10,000 hours to shoot a gun, you know? <laughs> and then you got to be part of a unit and trained and, and equipped. Exactly. And trained and know your shit. And the majority, like, you know, like, oh, yeah, whatever. This is idiotic. Like, these people are idiots. Fucking idiots. I'm not giving credit to the National Post article. To give credit where not credit is due, here's how they treat this Hurlf motherfucker. So when they finally admit deep into the article, and most people wouldn't have read on this point, this is what they said. At one point, the people, they're talking about the people who've been critical of this guy, this guy who they've been giving half the paragraphs his side to or Uh more. They discovered he had a tattoo on his hand, the Black Sun, used by the SS in Nazi Germany. The actual tattoo used by the SS. The guy who, who, these two people who went there signed up. This is a quote from the guy. My friend James, who was there, literally spat on the ground in front of him and said, this is everything our grandfathers fought against in the Second World War. But then the article goes on. But Hurlf said he had absolutely no neo-Nazi leanings and described his tattoos as runic, Scandinavian, and a mix of Indo-European and Japanese. Uh, Indo-European, ding, ding, ding. That's what Aryans are, you Indo-European is what Aryans were. Hello? Indo-European, Japanese, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's like you could not get a more yeah. fascist tattoo. 
And then the Japanese were fascists. I mean, come on. <laughs> anyway, yeah. this it, they're trying to make it seem like he's just amateur and blah, blah, blah. No, this is yeah. how it works. You have a bunch of these mercenary fucks who do the dirty work, who when the killing really starts and eventually if the Russians get backed up and they get pushed into their own country, these are the fucking brigades that go in and slaughter a bunch of innocent people. And then we're told that's a false flag and didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, look at what happened in Iraq when you saw those videos, those uh, Blackwater mercenaries throwing um, uh, flash fang grenades at people that were just walking like their lambs like on the road and stuff like that and laughing about it, you know? Like, these people are twisted, man. They're psychotic. And, don't you know, like, the thing with these mercenaries is that they don't give a shit about their country. They don't give a shit about other or people's even worse. countries. They care about getting paid. You know? That's why it's actually illegal under... It's actually illegal to be a mercenary because they actually said under the UN law that if you're a mercenary, you should be shot. And if a lawyer comes to represent you, then he should be shot as well. This guy's... Oh, you know, he's got an agreement with the brigade. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, they're not mercenaries. Okay. They're, Just they're, like the they're, 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 Yeah, exactly. No, they even... They, 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 they use... The, yeah, they, yeah, they use fancy words. They say, well, they're not... Uh, they're not mercenaries. Bullshit. They're private military Bullshit. contractors. Come on, dude. They're mercenaries. Like, what the hell... Like, who the hell you try, Who the hell you trying to fool here? They are mercenaries. They have no state... They have no, they, they work solely for yeah. money. That and is the, a mercenary. Well, but I think this okay? is even worse because in Ukraine, you have ones who are dedicated to the state where they are 100% nationalists who are, even this guy's from Quebec, but he's fighting this nationalist vision of Ukraine that is rid of all Russian influence. But that would be like if I was in Canada trying to fight a Canadian war to rid Canada of all American yeah. influence. Yeah. Sounds nice in practice. Yeah. Good fucking luck. You know what that's going to mean? Exactly. Whole bunch of goddamn dead Canadians. So if you're going to be smart and love your country, maybe don't get in bed with a foreign military power that's going to use your country as a proxy against you. And that's also mentioned that I'd be a lot of dead Americans too. And like, I know a lot of Americans that love Canadians and a lot of Canadians that love Americans. Yeah, Just, there's lots of great you know, American people. Exactly. There's a lot of great American people and I've met a lot of them. And the thing is that the it's government a small shit. percentage in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, it's a small percentage in my opinion that like hate Canadians. There's a small percentage that hate Americans. It's just, but people always bring that up. They're like, well, they hate us. So we have to do something. It's like, no, dude, that's just a very small percent <laughs> well there are lots of them like, who hate other people though they might not hate canadians because yeah. we're like a white christian country that they think is similar to them but then it's like a lot of them might not give a fuck about yemen or or actively hate iran you know yeah, like exactly. we're, we're we're brainwashed here too in canada we're just like part of the north american fucking propaganda matrix we just got different little visions different little tunnels yeah. different little holes where we stick our little heads up little fucking buttholes of medias let's hate let's hate let's hate let's hate that let's yeah let's hate the brown muslim people and stuff like that because of their religion and go around time to go back to iran or afghanistan or iraq but oh wait a second the white christian kids and stuff like that they're getting bombed right now so let's all give them big hugs oh no let's, let's show let's yeah let's show yeah let's show let's show videos of people in ukraine uh making molotov cocktails just making endless videos of their propaganda making molotov cocktails to throw out russian convoys um i don't see any of you sh uh, showing molotov cocktails being thrown by palestinian people that are to get their homeland back from the israelis well that'd be anti-semitic under the media's framework you're not allowed to do that yeah i guess so i guess so yeah you, i guess you're not allowed to do that this day because you know joseph you know you know ugh. okay so speaking of the mercenaries we were just talking about and there are these far these very nationalist very reactionary very far-right mercenaries that are you know they're not countryless but they are definitely dangerous and they were using human shields in mariupol we know this. There's video evidence of this. It's true. Russia would open a, scan, a, a corridor for humanitarian corridor to evacuate the civilians. And we who are totally brainwashed might think, oh, Russia, they're never going to do that. But the actual military people who aren't dumb know that if you're opening a civilian corridor, you're not going to fucking shell the civilian corridor. 
Whoever was shelling the civilian corridors was actually the people trying to keep the civilians in the area that was about to be destroyed by the Russian military, and the Russian military was fighting a careful battle to make sure that civilians got evacuated because they're fighting an optic battle. And so is the other side. So what does optics work? Russia's going to kill a bunch of civilians, just randomly corral them in, tell them they can leave, shell them as they're leaving. Uh, that doesn't make any goddamn military sense at all. But you know what does have a motive? The fucking Azov people who control Mariupol, mm -hmm. keeping people yeah. in so that Russia can't move in and flatten them using human shields. Right? This happens yeah. again and again. And this proved... Now, now they have when they... You know this... The steel factory? The giant... A Zavstal steel plant. And that was where these far-right Ukrainian brigades were embedding themselves to fight it out because that's what Russia was doing, was trying to corral them. And they were using human shields, pulling these people in. Why would the civilians run to the last refuge of a place that's going to be bombed when Russia's having... When they've opened civilian corridors? The people who are there, when they leave, guess what they said? Guess what they said, Mr. Democracy? What? They Why were they being say? kept there... Why they say? Guess, I'm they, well, they're being kept there against their will. And the Russian media reports that yeah. and Reuters interviewed these people. And then the Russians accused on literally to the United Nations officially Reuters of censoring the comments made by the survivor. Of course they did. Yeah. And the, all the articles you can find is the Reuters defending saying, well, we couldn't, we couldn't confirm what she said. Her name is Natalie Uzmanov. And there was many people coming out of this saying, yeah, we wanted to leave. We were being kept against her will. Well, we already know this. We already have video where there was the, the civilian corridors were open and then the fucking Azov battalion in full Ukrainian military gear saying to the civilians, you can't leave because the, the corridor is closed on the days the Russians had opened it and they were told you can't leave. Thank you for getting shot. And then those women cry. That's what's really going on here. And then as soon as we have this come out, they're censoring it. Reuters is bullshitting, telling you our side, oh, they're trying to kill, kill civilians, kill civilians, kill civilians. Yeah, because one side has corralled them into this area, not the Russian side, the, the side that has been caught using human shields so that they can yeah, hold exactly. out longer because they know they don't stand a chance in open combat. They'll just get fucking slaughtered. So they want to get slaughtered with a bunch of civilians, but they're not getting slaughtered because Russia was very careful not to go in until they got the civilians out. And then when they get the civilians out, what do the civilians say? We're being kept against our will. Does our media tell you that? Of course they don't. Yeah. They treat you like shit. Treat you like fucking mushrooms. Feed you shit and keep you in the dark. Yeah, definitely. Well, I don't know where else to go from here on out, boys. But like, you know, there's always going to be an enemy. Why? Because the military industrial complex, there's always going to be something that brings up uh, the war and profiteering and all that kind of stuff. Because, you know, like a lot of people have gone down for gun runners, like merchants of death and said like, oh yeah, this guy sold guns to kill American soldiers. It's like, dude, the United States like literally exports more guns in a day than most gun runners export in a fucking year. <laughs> yeah, that movie Lord of War with Nicolas Cage says it perfectly. At the very end, he's finally arrested. No spoiler alert. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Spoiler alert. At the end of the movie, the guy gets caught. And his last thing is he's saying to the cop that's been chasing him the whole time, he's like, you know what? You're going to get a call from your boss and they're going to let yeah. me out. This is a true story. Yeah. Really exactly. happened. I couldn't believe they let this out in yeah. the movie. They're just, because this, they're trying to advertise to the people who are in the know. They're like, look, we don't actually give a fuck. We're trying to make war, but we can't sell to everyone because we'll get in shit. So we have these other gun runners who will sell it. And the guy said, you're going to get that knock on the door and I'm going to get let go because your boss can't do business in areas where I can do business. And next thing you know, knock, 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 and he's fucking free. Do you have a pesky indigenous population you've been oppressing for decades, but they keep breeding no matter how much you cut off their food, water, and electricity? Say hello to the new Insta Intifada. 
just press the button. Follow these few easy steps and you'll have a holy war to use as a pretext for ethnic cleansing on your hands in no time. First step, take your soldiers to the most holy religious site you can find of the religion you want to promote. Second, smash stained glass. Fire tear grass at praying worshippers, then beat those in plain sight of others you can find. Prevent them from performing their daily call to prayer on a very important day. If that hasn't worked, just raise your flag of the country doing the oppressing and sing your national anthem. You should have an angry mob to justify anything you want to do to the population or your money back guaranteed. Jihad in a jiffy. So purchase now. Uh, that actually happened. The Alaska Moss recently, they just did that. They broke in, they sung their national anthem, fucking wouldn't let them do the prayer. Really? Yeah, Jesus so Christ. buy that product because it's going to be very useful in the future. <laughs> so that adds a pretty little bit more depressing, but still funny, right? And in and, and, and news. Yeah, movie. definitely. Okay, so now I want to leave on a high note. Okay? Okay. Are you ready for that? Yeah. Can, can, is it even possible to believe in that? Why not? That we can, we, we believe, can, we can believe. Well, it's going to happen. Yeah. We're going to fucking do it right now, Mr. Democracy. So this is from the Multipolarista website. The article's called Brazil's Lula Proposes Creating Latin America Currency to be Free from U.S. Dollar Dependency. Amazing news. Back to the dollar wars. This is a new dollar that's going to be created if the man named Lula da Silva, who in my opinion is the one of the greatest Brazilian politicians and possibly one of the greatest politicians living today, if he wins the Brazilian election, which is coming up this year, later in the fall, they're going to create a dollar called the Sur to combat the dependency of the dollar. Wow, that's great news. Yeah, and he was already in power before. Have you heard of... Uh, I have actually have heard of Lulu da Silva. Um, I don't know too much about him, but didn't he get overthrown or something like that and a right-wing piece of shit came in and took his place for a little bit? Yeah, they were in power... The Lula da Silva's Workers' Party was in power, and during that time, even the IMF admits that it was an economic miracle, meaning they rose the people in Brazil out of poverty, and the people who were already richer got richer. The people who, even the business people, were happy with Lula, but they weren't happy enough because they weren't taking in much advantage. So they orchestrated something with the U.S. Justice Department, which was came out later, to overthrow the Workers' Party mm-hmm. by accusing him of corruption in what was called the car wash scandal but it was really just lawfare where they use legal ease to take over the people they can't win democratically against and all this came out later like it was actually all exposed from the intercept brazil's reporting that the main prosecutor who was then made his name is judge moro he was made some new position of super prosecutor after he helped overthrow the old lula da silva and the new guy came in Bolsonaro, Jair Bolsonaro. And this is somebody who's like anybody who knows about the history of Brazil, you can't like this guy. He was part of the dictatorship. He wow. loved the dictatorship. He said, we wished we had it back. He said things like to different politicians, you're too ugly to rape. And he said, if my son was gay, I'd kill him. And this was a guy known as Captain Chainsaw. And he was made the president after the U.S. Justice Department helped wow. orchestrate through the Brazilian business community, the overthrow of Lula da Silva. And all they did was accuse him of taking... Uh, taking a piece of property for some business deal. And yet, even in the court case proceedings against him, it was shown he never touched the keys. He never signed on to own it. They never had evidence that he owned it. It was just somebody literally said, yeah, this was given to him. And then that was what they went on him. But that was all proven to be fake. And he, was, he, was in, he wasn't allowed to run and he was put mm-hmm. in jail for like two years in like house arrest or something. Can't remember if it was jail for the whole time or what, but either way, very much injustice. 
And then finally this guy's let out and now he's running yeah. for president. He's like, oh, again, he's going to win probably. And when he wins, they're going to reanimate what was going on in Brazil with Venezuela, with Cuba, which is an actual resurgent of, they called it the pink tide, but it's true, genuine democracy. That's what they call it socialism when you have democracy in the workplace, when corporations don't run everything, but that's actually true democracy. When corporations have an equal amount of power to the citizens, that's more democratic. Yes, if you were to take corporations completely out and give them no power, that would be more communism, but that's not what Brazil ever did. So to call them just socialist or communist, no, what they are is by the true definitions of the word, they're being democratic because they're listening to all the peoples of Brazil and not just the corporations and the rich people. Exactly. There, there's, 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 a, there's a balance. Everybody wins. Yeah, if they win this, if he wins, it's going to be so great. We're going to be following this at the Uncontainable Canaries. Lula da Silva winning in Brazil would be one of the greatest news things that's come out of Latin America and the world for years. No, oh, definitely, definitely. Overthrowing Brazil, Bolsonaro, they're calling for a more, Lula is calling for a more multipolar world. He's explaining the quote, the creation of a multipolar world free from unilateral hegemony and from sterile bipolar confrontation. So that's a new thing. He's not saying go back to the Cold War. He's not saying go with one guy. He's saying multipolar. Lots of powers have power. It is. It is. And Hugo Chavez said it was, it was going to take at least 20 years for, you know, his democratic socialist vision to turn the country into a full-on democracy and just everybody would win. And unfortunately, he died of cancer. So I think that was back in 2011 or... Oh, uh, yeah. Fast-acting yeah. cancer that yeah. some believe was given to him. But he created the Bolivarian Alliance, the ALBA, and they made the Sucre, which was going to be a dollar that was adopted in 2009. And at one point, it did a billion dollars in bilateral in trade between the people, the countries that were involved, which was Venezuela, Nicaragua, yeah, nice. Cuba, Bolivia, yeah. and Ecuador. But then when Ecuador, Rafael Cora, they adopted it. But then unfortunately, when Ecuador's next president, Lenin Moreno, came in, they took them out of the ALBA. But if this sir goes forward, that's what a lot of the world is going on with. It's like dollar wars. It's like we're playing a bunch of games with Monopoly. So we'll play Monopoly, yeah. Yeah, a bunch of people want you to buy their currency and believe. But some people are going to use their currency. Like you mentioned, Gaddafi was going to make an Africa currency that was based on the gold that was that was backed by the gold reserves and the the actual money of Africa, and he was going to issue that currency for infrastructure projects throughout Africa, not based on the predatory loans of the IMF and the World Bank. Which is kind of funny is what the Chinese model people say the Chinese model in Africa is very predatory, but if you actually read the contents of some of those deals, they've made people very rich. Yes, there's complaints against them human rights wise in those deals. There's no way there's going to be massive African projects where they have all these workers and there's not problems with with human rights that's i'm not saying go build these projects i'm saying if you actually want to talk about what's going on in the world right now china is using their diplomacy to go around building projects building infrastructure projects using simple loan agreements where it's not like hey buy our loans but if you can't pay them back we've restructured them in such a way where you as a politician will do really well but your actually country is going to owe us the assets you're gonna to have to privatize it was a vehicle for neoliberalization that's how the imf and the world bank work but the chinese loans that's not how they work they're actually building these countries up in Africa. And that's how this, that's how the Gaddafi's dollar was planning on working, but that didn't work out so well for him. Unfortunately, they can't fucking sodomize the Chinese government like they wanted if, if they could to Gaddafi. Yeah, the, yeah exactly. They're, they're too, they're way too powerful. Well, Mr. Democracy, it's been a good one. It's been a really long episode. It feels like we've been talking now for a while. Definitely, definitely. But there's going to be some times where we look back on it and just you can never talk about all the things because each thing opens a new thread up. It is. It's very true. As soon as we talk about one thing, another thing happens, another thing happens. The world's a great place of big information and imagination. And uh, we're going to be here uh, and hopefully all our ministers are going to be liking this and uh, they can learn something from us and we can learn something from them.
Yeah, when you're looking around, you get one step closer to looking around, but then you suddenly have 15 vantage points you couldn't see from that you don't know about. And it's the next vantage point, then there's 15 more vantage points, and the next point. It just goes on. The more you know, the more you know you don't know. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, we're the Uncontainable Canaries. I am Mr. Freedom. I am Mr. Democracy. And we love you guys so much. Let's just take a minute. I'll just take a deep breath because it's a lot in the world, you know. So hold on. Let's just breathe in. We're going to hold. One, two, three. (sighs) Exhale. And then hold that exhale down. One, two, three. And then. Yeah. Just feel the love because, you know, that's really what it's all about. That's why I care because I love you. And I know this world could be so freaking awesome. We could just all be just having parties. There could be like a festival land where we all just get a free pass to go twice a year. And there's 15 different places with every genre of music you could imagine. It's like a paradise for adults. We could do that. Why don't we build cool shit? I was on roller coasters today. Whenever I'm on that, I just remember all of our potential that we have as society that we build into death or profit. Why don't we build things that are just purely focused on joy? Like more roller coasters for people just to get around. Let's build cool shit, people. Exactly, let's have some fun. Yeah, I want to look back on society and say, we did something cool, not just, oh, look at all those bombs we built we'd hope never to use. Definitely, definitely. On that note, I'm going to leave it on a high note. Later, everybody. Have a good one, guys. Catch you on the flip side.